You are listening to a podcast of Risen Savior Lutheran Church in Chula Vista, California. Growing in faith, living in hope, serving in love, all to the glory of God. Grace and peace to you from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Here just the opening verse of Mark chapter 9, verse 2. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. The Gospel of the Lord. Transfiguration Sunday. If you took home with you today's service folder and you had it laying on the counter and a friend stopped over during the week and they saw it and they paged through it and asked you, what is Transfiguration Sunday? Would you be able to tell them? There are a lot of questions. What is it? Why did it happen? What were Moses and Elijah doing there? What does it mean for us? Lord willing, we're going to find some answers to those questions today, but first we must set the scene. And in order to set the scene, let me direct you to a different scene. It's Christmas time. You're at home with with the whole family. You just had a glorious evening the night before on Christmas Eve. The next day, Dad says to the family, we're going to have a family meeting in the living room a little bit later. And there's excitement in the air. Anticipation is building as everyone is starting to wonder, is there going to be one more big announcement, one more big gift that we're going to get? But it doesn't take you long to realize that's not the type of meeting this is going to be. Dad is very, very serious. So there you are gathered together in the living room as a family and dad comes right out with the news, I have cancer. I'm going to be in a lot of pain in the days ahead. I'm going to die. Talk about a bombshell. Your world just comes crashing down. And yet that's what happened to the disciples. Shortly before the events that we read today, Jesus dropped this bombshell on them. Jesus began to explain to them that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things and that he must be killed. I'm going to die, Jesus told his disciples. And just as we would react if dad told us some devastating news, so would they and so did they. No way. It's not going to happen, Jesus. We can't let it happen. And so just as we would, the disciples were devastated by the news Jesus shared with them. But then six Seven days later, we have the transfiguration. What is it? Webster defines it as a change in form or appearance. That's what happened on the mountain that day. Just like that, Jesus' face started shining like the sun. His clothes became as white as light. And that could happen because Jesus is not only a man, Jesus also is God. His appearance changed. 
So right away, if your friend asks you, what is transfiguration? You can tell them it was the day when Jesus' appearance changed. It was the day when he lifted the curtain a little bit to give his disciples a glimpse of his glory, a glimpse of his divinity. But so many more questions. What were Moses and Elijah doing there? Fifteen centuries had passed since Moses died. Nine hundred years had passed since Elijah was whisked away in a whirlwind. And yet the disciples saw them with their very own eyes after all those years very much alive. But there was a change in them too. They had been transfigured as well. It's not as if Jesus pulled Moses' skeleton from the grave and there that skeleton was standing. No, they had been transformed, transfigured. They had received glorified bodies, heavenly bodies too. A sign of things to come for the disciples. A sign of things to come for us. why Moses and Elijah were there to, to show the disciples that even though they were going to witness their Lord and Savior suffer and die, he was indeed the Lord of the living. We learned something more about Moses and Elijah and what they were doing there. They were talking with Jesus. Don't you have to wonder what they were talking about? Maybe Moses and Elijah were commenting on how nice it was to have these new bodies and no more arthritis and no more aches and pains. Maybe in contrast to what Peter was saying, they leaned in and whispered to Jesus, it is not good for us to be here. Let's go back to heaven right now. Maybe Moses and Elijah were sizing up Peter a little bit and saying, he doesn't look as big as we thought he might be. What were they talking about? We don't have to speculate because we're told. Mark doesn't record it for us, but Luke does. And Luke tells us that Moses and Elijah were talking to Jesus about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. They were talking to Jesus about his death which is so interesting in comparison to the disciples at the time. Moses and Elijah wanted Jesus to, to keep talking about his death. The disciples wanted Jesus to stop talking about it. Moses and Elijah wanted Jesus to talk about his suffering and death because they knew that without it, there would be no forgiveness, no salvation, no heaven, no glorified bodies. To put a picture to it, the disciples were trying to push Jesus away from the cross. Moses and Elijah were trying to push him to it. Which group do you belong to? Are you trying to push Jesus to the cross or are you trying to push him away from it? Let me ask that in a different way. As we are so close to another Lenten season, are you rolling your eyes and thinking, oh, here we go again. Can't we just fast forward six weeks to the good stuff? Have we in our hearts and our, our minds have that attitude where, where we are trying to push Jesus away from the cross rather than to it? 
We're failing to realize that, that he needs to be there in order so that we can have glory too and that we need to take that journey with him again this year. But back to the transfiguration, still some questions remain. Why did it happen? You must remember the disciples just heard the devastating news that Jesus was going to suffer and die. He's their leader. They're devastated. They're at a low point in their life. They need something to lift them up. They needed something that they could look back on when they heard the whips cracked across Jesus' back, when they heard the nails being driven into his hands. The disciples needed something they could look back on years later when the whips were cracking their own backs and when the nails were being driven into their own hands. That's why this happened. It it was for them so that in the future, when, when they were going through trials and difficulties, they could look back and realize, oh yeah, glory awaits Glory awaits. And and really, that brings us to another question. What does it mean for us? What does Jesus' transfiguration mean for us? Really, the same thing as it did for the disciples. The disciples had some pretty difficult days ahead of them. Very difficult days before they could stand with Moses and Elijah in glory. And we have some tough days ahead of us, too. Crosses to carry, tribulations to endure, sickness to suffer, setbacks in life, disappointments, you name it. And yet the transfiguration reminds us, glory is just around the corner. It was the Apostle Paul who knew a little bit about suffering too, and yet he was able to say, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And then we compare that with John, who actually was at the transfiguration, and he was able to say, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. And that is exactly what we can say now as we look through all the troubles of this life. We can say with confidence, we will see his glory. The glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. That's what it means for us. It reminds us that that glory awaits us too. The very glory that Moses and Elijah were already experiencing. And so we can hardly blame Peter for wanting to stay on that mountain, even though Jesus had a lot of work to do. But it wasn't only Jesus who had work to do. So did the disciples. And still they wanted to stay there, didn't they? But eventually we learned they did leave that mountain. They went and they did the work that they were called by Jesus to do. Which takes us maybe to the the final question of, of the day, which leads us to really search our own hearts. Has Jesus' transfiguration changed us in any way as it did the disciples? Has it changed us? Is our life shining more like Jesus today 
than it was 10 years ago because we've spent time in his holy word? Are we closer to him today than we were on the day of our confirmation? Are we willing to do what he has asked us to do? To talk to to people about sin and salvation? To invite people to come here to encourage our fellow members who may be downhearted? Are we willing to to do the work that our Lord has called us to do? Maybe like Peter, we just want to stay high on the mountain. But the transfiguration has changed us too. We're not yet at the point where we're standing next to Moses and Elijah. We're at that point where we're standing next to those disciples with still things to do. A lot to do. But then just like that, Moses and Elijah disappeared and Jesus was all alone. And that's something we're just going to have to get used to in the next seven weeks too. Jesus, all alone. All alone in the Garden of Gethsemane as he prayed and his disciples slept. All alone when he was taken prisoner when his disciples wanted to fight. All alone in the courtyard when his own precious disciple Peter was denying him. But the pivotal place where we're going to see Jesus all alone is the cross. Oh, again, like every other year, they'll, they'll be there. The, the thieves next to him, his mother at the foot of the cross, the soldiers, the Pharisees, the passers-by, they're going to be there again this year just like every other year. But Jesus is going to be all alone. Crying out to his father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he had to. Because he had to. Moses and Elijah realized it. Eventually, the disciples came to that realization, and I pray to God we do too, that the only way we're going to have glory and do have glory is because of Jesus' suffering and death. Yeah. The easy thing to do for for Peter and the disciples would have been to simply stay up on that mountain rather than going and doing the work that they were called to do. The easier thing for us to do is simply meet here week after week and talk about glory. That's just not the way it works. The transfiguration changes us. We willingly, joyfully come here week after week to hear about Jesus' suffering and death because that's the only way there is glory. It's the only way. And by the way, After the transfiguration, the devastating news that Jesus shared with his disciples about his suffering and death wasn't quite as devastating anymore. That news that dad shared with the family about his cancer and suffering and death, that isn't quite as devastating anymore either. Suffering and death, it's never pleasant, but it isn't as devastating as the world would have us believe it is. The transfiguration reminds us that glory is just around the corner for each one of us. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Risen Savior podcast. For more information about our church, check us out online at risensavior.us.